But welcome ACF, welcome friends, um, welcome uh, those who follow your hand. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you for being with us this glorious morning. It's Sunday. <laughs> this is the day that we remember the resurrection of Jesus. That's why the disciples began to meet on the first day of the week. So we're giving the first time to Jesus. And uh, we're remembering the ascension. So the ascension only took place the day that we remember of it taking place is on Thursday. So this Thursday, I think it'll be the 21st. However, it's on, on Facebook, on our page. And uh, we're going to have a session of worship with Johann von Rensburg and Jonathan Pfeiffer. And uh, we're just calling it Ascended Worship. Ascended Worship. That's Thursday evening at 7 p.m. And uh, trust that you can be able to join with us then. And uh, the other thing that we would like to do, and Pastor Gerard Krobler gave us the idea, is have a prayer meeting Friday night. And um, so Pastor J.D. will be leading this first one. And uh, from 7 p.m., you know, Central Africa time or South African Standard Time, 7 p.m. till about just about 8 p.m. And uh, right now, J.D. is posting a link on, um, onto this page. And you will be able then to click on the link and it will take you to a WhatsApp group. Now, this group is going to be carefully monitored. And I know I can hear everybody going like, oh, no, not another group. Well, I want to tell you it's a closed group. It's a broadcast group. And it will only be open for that hour of the prayer meeting. And then it will be closed again. So I can promise you, you're not going to get pulsing hearts and fuzzy bunnies and end of the time video clips, you know, going off all day and all night. And it's a Another group that you've got to, I'm allergic to those groups, you've got to look at. So it's carefully monitored and um, um, it will be monitored and limited response. But basically the way it will happen at 7 p.m., um, JD will welcome you via WhatsApp on that broadcast group, the, the Power Hour and uh, the Power of Prayer Hour. And uh, he, will, he will WhatsApp you and let you know that it's begun. And then for example, for the next five minutes, we are praying in tongues. And then all of you who've joined in that group for the next five minutes in unison, we can then pray in the Holy Ghost, building ourselves up in our most holy faith. Then the next five minutes, for example, he'll be saying, let's pray for our president and pray for our government for wisdom to negotiate this um, virus. And uh, then, for example, then we will all pray. Then he'll post another one. Now there'll be limited response um, allowed from you, for example, posting a scripture and, uh, you know, pertinent, relevant scripture to that particular subject that you're praying right there, that you can declare, proclaim, prophesy um, concerning that particular prayer request. Then uh, JD is also posting another line. Now, it's our church WhatsApp line. So you can't phone it. It's uh, restricted to WhatsApps. So, for example, if we have prayer requests, because we will open it up to prayer requests where we can all pray, um, for those prayer requests. If, for example, there are testimonies that are forthcoming, you can then post the testimony to the church WhatsApp line. And um, uh, then we can share that and all rejoice together. So I'll mention it again towards the end if you would like to be a part of um, Friday night digital prayer, <laughs> a first for us. But anyway, it's given me some good ideas for the future. And then just heads up, we're going to contact Bobby Lejeune, and Tom Scarella, and uh, maybe have a dialogue with them, whatever you want to call it, prophetic dialogue, Tom Scarella and, uh, you know, Bobby Lejeune on one of the Wednesday evenings coming up. So we're going we're gonna to look at that. Now, next Wednesday, there won't be a broadcast because of the Thursday Ascension Day. And then um, on the last day of 
May, I think it's the 31st. Um, yeah, it's the 31st of May. Um, Pastor Gerrit Krobler and Lene Krobler have asked us to do a, a service with them. So we'll be streaming directly onto their site and their church and, and their uh, Facebook friends will be able to follow us for Pentecost Sunday. So that's going to be absolutely magnificent. However, it's all there on Facebook. You can see. So once again, welcome everybody. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to hug you. I say that every week. Once again, I'm just so proud of you for the way that you're standing and having done all to stand. It tells me that you're believers. You've um, embraced the principle of God's word and, and you're standing and um, you're not immature, you're mature. So really just so, so proud of you all here at ACF and, uh, and our friends. So the Lord bless you. So today is Ascension Day and I want to just touch on the necessity of the Ascension. It was so important that Jesus ascended. Now, if I, probably you feel like I do, that I would have been just like the disciples when Jesus said, hey, I'm going. You know, I would also say, where are you going? I mean, we would have been with that crowd. I don't think we would have reacted too much differently, you know. And, uh, you know, when he was telling them, you know, I'm going to be with the Father to prepare a place for you, but then I'm coming back and, and then I'm going to pour out the Spirit and, and upon, upon us and upon you. And, and the thing that he said, it's for your own good, one translation. Um, you know, however, I will not leave you as orphans. And so, of course, it was the adoption by the Spirit that he was talking about. So we're not orphans. And when he left, he didn't, he didn't leave a bunch of orphans. He left sons, you know, sons like him. And so for, for your own good, um, you know, we need to wrap our heads around the fact because sometimes we look back with a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of kind of, you know, longing. I wish that we could have been around with the disciples when Jesus was alive and walking on the earth. And Paul tells us that we're to know not Christ after the flesh anymore because there was a significant change even in his physical body when he ascended and was absolutely necessary and was absolutely for our own good. And so the commencement of Christ's life on earth was at Bethlehem where he was born and it ended on the Mount of Olives with the Mount of Ascension uh, on, on the Mount of Olives when he ascended. And, um, but you know, his life was before that and his life continues after that brief period of, you know, of 30 odd years, 33 years that he was physical and on earth. Now he's physical and in the presence of the father. And, you know, he's been appearing. This is the time that we remember for about 40 days. 40 is uh, symbolic of preparation. 40 is symbolic of a generation. 40 is also symbolic of testing. And um, so it was really um, significant. The 40 um, then, of course, um, closes the, on Thursday. We remember that. And then there's a 10 days um, to the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So, you know, the Bible doesn't say too much about his whereabouts. I did do a message on that, but there's quite a number of appearances. And just very quickly, his purpose during this period of time was to convince them of his resurrection by many infallible proofs, the Bible says. Secondly, it was to prepare them for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, the great commission um, that he was to give them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, uh, making disciples of them. And uh, fourthly, I think, is it fourthly or fifthly, um, you know, to, yeah, fourthly, to correct their somewhat 
political view of the kingdom. And that's why in Acts chapter 1, he says, times and seasons you don't know, but you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. In other words, the kingdom is going to come and it's going to be in you. It's going to be present. And that's the beginning um, of the performance of the kingdom. So he had to redress a purely physical, political view of the kingdom. So Acts chapter 1, verse 2, Luke says, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. Oh, must have been amazing to hear that. But, you know, we have the record of it in the New Testament. So the ascension, so important, because it's the culmination, the ending of his incarnation, you know, his birth and his growth in life, death, burial, and resurrection. But So not only the culmination of that, but it's the reward for his redemptive work because the sacrifice of his blood is accepted. Um, he is now appointed heir of all things. He provided purification for sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty, and uh, from there he continues. Um, and, and so the third thing is it's his entrance into a wider sphere of work and ministry in that glorified condition that he is in as the Lord, as the head, and as the priest of his church. So really powerful. It's amazing to think that Jesus went into a wider sphere of influence than when he was on earth. You see, he had a glory before. Then he had a glory of um, the physical life. And now he has the glory of an ascended, glorified life. And so all of the gospels mention it and cover it. The vast majority of the epistles throughout the New Testament cover his, um, his ascension. But really, um, the book of Hebrews is all about his current ministry as a priest. And, you know, it's what Paul was trying to get across to the Jews, that it's not now that we don't have a priesthood or will not have a priesthood. It's not now that we don't have a temple. And he was showing great pains to show, no, the point of this, uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, and, and of course, Hebrews chapter 5, we have such a high priest, you know, who's gone into the heavens. He's the anchor. He's the hope. And uh, he entered a sanctuary, the true sanctuary, not made by human hands, but made my God, and uh, he's in the order of Melchizedek, and so on and so on, that whole magnificent epistle of Hebrews. And so it's really important that we see that, number one, that the ascension was really our redemption, our salvation accomplished. You know, theologians talk about his incarnation as the period he was here on earth, and uh, his glorification. They use all these fancy words, but now in heaven, they refer to that as the session. So his passion, his earthly ministry, especially his death and burial and resurrection, and now it's the session in heaven. And so it's redemption accomplished. As I said, the main point of what I'm saying, says Paul to the Hebrew Christians, we do have such a high priest. Come on, saints. ACF, we have a high priest. You know, I am, you know, I'm nothing in comparison. The greatest pastor on earth is nothing in comparison. At best, we are underlings, hirelings, you know, priests, but he's the true shepherd. He's the true high priest. He's the bishop and the overseer, the apostle and the high priest whom we confess. He's the alpha and the mega, the beginning and the end. Listen, in lockdown, and I know you've accessed this priesthood of Christ more than once, and maybe especially during this time, 
of, of lockdown. We have a high priest. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. But at the same time, he serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord. So um, his ascension also demonstrates his absolute righteousness. Because if he wasn't absolutely righteous, if there was any taint of sin, if there was any residue of our sins upon him, upon us, if there was any element in that he had not provided purification for our sins in the time when he became sin for us, he would not have been able to enter and access the very presence of God and be there as our anchor and our hope. And so he completed our salvation by two things, two aspects. And, uh, you know, I don't want to take too long, but just, I just love teaching the word. And I think it's necessary for us. So the two aspects of the completion of our salvation, there's, there's two sides of the same coin. You know, theologians talk about the negative side and the positive side. They're both positive, of course. The negative was, in the negative was the complete removal of our sin. Man, that is amazing. You know, David talks about it in Hebrews 4. I'm sorry, in Romans 4, about how blessed is the man whose sin and transgression the Lord remembers no more. It's so blessed. He took it away. Our sin and unrighteousness, he remembers no more. And uh, so the removal of our sin was, com was completed by that passion, death, burial, resurrection. But um, on the positive side, his ascension is really reinforces um, the, the imputation, the impartation the transformation of the fact that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. And the amazing thing is that it gives us um, absolute access to the Father. So in John chapter 14, you know, when he said, I go to the Father to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. So the exact um, condition, if I can say it that way, that Christ is in now, we are in. And that's why John says in 1 John, um, you know, as Christ is now in his ascended form, so we in this world, as far as our righteousness and our relationship to the Father. And uh, Jesus said in John 16, 10, I will convict this world of sin and righteousness and judgment, of righteousness because I go to the Father. In other words, when he went to the Father, he wasn't rejected, he wasn't cast out, so he was accepted as righteous. Oh, Amen. And so it means that when we enter the presence of God now, come on church, whenever we enter his presence, we enter as righteous sons and daughters of the most high God. That's so uh, phenomenal. Paul said in Philippians chapter one, verse six, and I think this is the message translation. He says, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you will keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ appears. Come on, there's no doubt in my mind concerning me and concerning you. The one who started this great work is going to bring it to a flourishing finish. Oh, thank you, Eugene Peterson, for those words. The second thing is, you know, um, it was the beginning of um, his heavenly session in the sense that um, um, his ministry changed. Um, when he ascended into heaven to the presence of God, to the true sanctuary, um, he began his ministry as high priest. Isn't it an interesting that at the same time he was the sacrifice, you know, by his death, the lamb of the world, but now he's also the priest. So he officiates the sacrifice of himself. Unlike the Old Testament priests, they officiated around the sacrifices of lambs and, you know, bulls and goats and things like this, but by his own blood. 
um, he entered. And, and it's very interesting that the book of Hebrews re represents two priests. One was Aaron and one was Melchizedek. And I, I have not seen that before. And I just, when I was studying, I, it really blessed me. So as, as Aaron, you know, he was officiating around the sacrifice um, and that was the ministry on earth. But um, concerning Melchizedek, well, Melchizedek was concerning the person of the priest. One was the work of the priest and the other is the person of the priesthood. And so one was the offering of death, you know, sort of on earth. The other is the officiation or officiating concerning that sacrifice in, in heaven, in that spiritual realm, in the very presence, presence of God. And it's as Melchizedek that he gives us access to God himself. So it's really amazing. So Jesus being at the same time human, at the same time divine, as high priest, the book of Hebrews says he's able to sympathize. Now, I don't know about you. It, it, it is so comforting to me. You know, when you're going through a hard time, you know, very often when we go through difficulties, we think we're on our own and no one knows, no one understands, you know, you know, you know I'm unique somehow, but you know, Paul tells us in, in Hebrews that he was tempted at every point, but he felt the full force of temptation. God limits our temptation and yet without sin. And the amazing thing is, is that he's able to sympathize and yes, and even empathize. So you can't say God doesn't understand. You know, sometimes it feels like, you know, well, he's, he's God. He's up there in heaven in this perfect realm. Well, I'm down here where the tire hits the tarmac and he doesn't know what I'm going through. And yeah, and it's legitimate that we feel that way. But, but scripturally, we need to get to this understand. Jesus understands. And I think, I think, come on, saints, come on, I said, I think if we know that and understand that he sympathizes, we'll be far less likely to pull away from him when we're going through difficulties and run and hide. As our sympathetic, empathetic high priest, we can come up to him and uh, we can nestle into those feathers of the wings. We can rub up to the, you know, the leg, the thigh, and feel the hand touch of the shepherd upon us, the, the sheep, uh, because he sympathizes. And then Paul uses uh, an old-fashioned word. He's able to succor, um, Hebrews 2.18, them that are going through difficulty. And that word succor means to provide real, tangible, effective help. So God is... You know, Jesus is not remote. He's not distant. And he's able to help us with that sympathy, with that empathy. He can do something about it. So come on, let's go to our high priest. Let's take every burden to him, um, you know, because we have a friend in Jesus who's also a high priest. And then, of course, Hebrews 7.25 says he's able to save. Not talking simply about the forgiveness of sins. I mean, he can help. He can deliver. He can save us through the situation or out of the situation. He can bring change. And I mean, that is so, so powerful. I love what Psalm 138 verse 8 says. The Message Bible says, finish what you started in me, O God. Your love is eternal. Don't quit now. And uh, King James says, he will perfect that which concerneth thee. I love that International Standard Version says, the Lord will complete what his purpose is for me. Lord, your gracious love to me is eternal. Do not abandon your personal work in me. So, Paul tells us he will save you. He will not abandon his personal work in you. Come on, he can help you. I've got to rush. The third area is that when he ascended, uh, Peter tells us that in Acts 2, I think it's verse 33, 
um, talking to the Pharisees and the Jews, he said, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has now made both Lord and Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. He's now Lord and Christ. And so it instituted his lordship over the earth. But then, of course, his lordship in the sense of headship over the church. It's amazing that it's uh, difficult to see in the New Testament where the references are that he's purely king in, in the sense of, of um, you know, he is Lord, but, but understand what I'm saying. In reference to us as the body of Christ, he's more, he's described as the head. So his lordship has worked through as being head. In other words, the loving care and connection with us as the body of Christ from where we receive our signals and our direction. So yes, he's the head of the church. And um, as Lord and as head um, and as Christ, not only is he the Lord of the church, but he's also the life of the church, being the head. Um, so, so powerful, the Lordship of Christ. He exercises that Lordship. He's Adonai. And uh, Paul tells us, and, 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 and John tells us in Hebrews, that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's us. You know, he's the Elohim amongst the council of the Elohim in the Psalms. So I love what um, um, this verse says here. He knows us better. Well, it's not a verse. Actually, it's a quote from a theologian that I was studying. He says, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why he, we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. And uh, yeah, I think that is the message Bible on, on Romans 8, 27, 28. So the fourth area, intercession, intercession. And, and this is really one of the main points that, or the, one of the main emphases that the New Testament gives to the intercession, uh, to the ascension of Jesus, his session in heaven. This is the crowning point of, of our, his work in heaven. So I, I want to just say this, and I'm going to throw it in now. The ascension of Jesus is not the absence of Jesus. The ascension of Jesus is more than ever the presence of Jesus. Remember when he said to the disciples, it's for your good that I go away because then I can send you the Holy Spirit. And then he said, he will be in you and he'll always be with you. When Jesus was in Bethany, he was not in Bethpage. When he was in Jerusalem, he couldn't be on the Mount of Olives and he couldn't be at the Sea of Galilee. He couldn't spend, um, give um, every single person undivided, unlimited attention. But now that he's the ascended Christ, um, he's gone back from, you know, um, lo lo fixed locality um, back up to um, his, his um, presence everywhere, his omnipresence, yet he's imminent, he's with us, um, in us and around us, in front of us, behind us, underneath us and above us. And, and so this is the crowning work of, of, the new of his ascension in the New Testament. I love what Paul said in Romans 8.34. Are you still with me? I hope you're following. Paul says, who is he that condemneth? Oh, my word. And there's a lot of people that condemn. There's a lot of stuff that condemns. And we ourselves, through unrenewed consciences, condemn ourselves. But Paul says, who is it that condemneth? It certainly isn't Christ. It certainly isn't God. It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. That's taken care of all the condemnation. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. In that one verse, Paul gives us four facts connected with Jesus and his ascension, his death, his resurrection, and now his session at God's right hand as our intercessor. 
And um, I love what someone says, um, somebody says, he doesn't necessarily have to say anything. He says it by what he is. The, the intercession primarily, and but not only, is by his presence. He says it by what he is. And so if the enemy comes with condemnation, all we have to do is point him to Jesus, looking unto Jesus, because that's what Paul tells us to do in Hebrews chapter 2. You want to know who I am? Look at Jesus, because he says it by what he is. What he is says everything about me. Come on, saints, that's worthy of an amen. Hallelujah. In triplicate tastes. Um, and so he says it by what he is. And so I, I love what 1 John 2 verse 1 says. He's also our advocate. He's our mediator. It's the mediator between God and man. And I love what 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 says. He says, beloved, I'm writing this to you. And of course, chapter 1, that you will not sin. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Now listen, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So his righteousness speaks for us. And he is the atonement for our sin. And not only for our sin, but for the sins of the whole world. What a powerful scripture. Man, we can now come to the throne of grace with boldness. Paul tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 to obtain grace and mercy, to find more grace, more mercy. And so that is the beautiful thing about his ascension in heaven. His throne for us is a throne of grace. So he's at the very presence, at the very right hand of God, pleading on behalf of his people, saying it by what he is. And he can do it because of his perpetual life. He's never going to die. He's inviolable. In other words, he's unchanging priesthood. Not like the earthly priests where it had to go to succession because they would die. He's undelegated. So it's not going to be passed on to anyone else. He himself is a high priest. Intransmissible priesthood. In other words, it's never going to change. For permanent, forever, he's our high priest. But you know what a lot of people and a lot of Bible teachers miss out is the fact that Jesus is also a praying Jesus. It's not only by his life that he's speaking. But he's a man of prayer, a, a savior of prayer. His whole life was filled with prayer. He would draw aside and he would pray. He would pray whole nights, right up until his crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying. When the Satan came and requested permission to uh, sift the disciples, all of them, including Peter, um, Jesus said, I've prayed for you and you're going to turn. I want to tell you, we have a great intercessor in heaven who's praying for us. And, um, in, and it's reflected in us by the spirit of intercession in us who's groaning and travailing with words that cannot be expressed, speaking mysteries to God. And that reflection is inside of us. And so there's a witness, there's a testimony, there's, there's him praying, there's us praying. You know, we're praying together. And of course, I'm almost sure I agree with the, the Catholics. There's the intercession of the saints that have gone on ahead of us. I love what Psalm 56 verse 8 says in the Message Bible. You have kept track of my every toss and turn through sleepless nights. Each tear, tear entered into your ledger, each ache written into your book. What a compassionate, wonderful, interceding savior that we have. Um, one um, Bible student said this, from his cry, it is finished. His care for his redeemed children will never be finished. So Jesus did not go to heaven after his earthly ministry to take a break. And he's not, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Those are my words. From his role as eternal shepherd to his people. 
Because if while we were enemies, he reconciled us to his death. If while he was suffering and persecuted, um, you know, it was because of his love for us. Um, how much more now that he's alive and ascended and glorified, Jesus is still very active on your behalf and my behalf. You know, Psalm 100, he's watching over us. We're his sheep. You know, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. What a savior. And then moving along swiftly, of course, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Peter says, you know, in Acts uh, chapter 2, um, you know, he received from God the Father this Holy Spirit because he's now Lord in Christ and he's poured out on you what you now see and hear. So the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit, because now he proceeds from Christ and uh, Jesus is ministering the Spirit to us, to the world, to convince and convict the world. But to us, he has an entire different a ministry to us. Yes, it's to convince us that we are sons of God. Yes, it's to lead us um, into all truth. Yes, it's to remind us of everything the Father said. Yes, it's to tell us even of future things to come. Yes, that uh, it's to lead us because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And that's what he was referring to in John 7 verse 39. He said, you know, uh, you know when, when the reference was to the Holy Spirit, he poured out because he had not yet been glorified. Well, now he's glorified. And so he pours out the Holy Spirit. So every time, it reminds us of our ascended, glorified Christ. One hand seated um, at the right hand of the Father, having provided purification for sins, but in another standing in his ministry in that sanctuary as high priest, ever living to intercede for us. I mean, how awesome is that? The sixth and the second last point is his presence. Like I said, the ascension is not his absence, it's his presence. You know, when Thomas put his hands in, into the, the, the marks of Jesus after his resurrection, Jesus' comment to him was, you believe now because you've seen me and you've touched. And he said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. You know, we are, come on church, we are more blessed than Thomas. More blessed. Uh, we haven't had that opportunity but we are more blessed because we believe without seeing peter says the same thing i think it's in first peter so um it's amazing so with the ascension of jesus those words ring true lo i am with you always it rings true when he says he ever lives you know it's it's an invitation to us those two to uh, draw near to him and and to live our lives and to hold fellowship with god and to receive grace for our daily living, to rejoice in victory over sin and uh, sorrow through, through everything that we face, we can come and, and to face it. It's really amazing. If you take just a few chapters in the New Testament that refer to his ascension, you know, primarily in the gospel and Acts, you know, we can, we can say things like this. So just bear with me as I fly through them very quickly. And uh, we, can say with G, we can say with the disciples and we can agree with it. Uh, the, that he's, he's active and alive and well, not only in the presence of God, but on earth. He's seated at the right hand of God. Number two, he's bestowing and has bestowed the gift of the Holy Spirit, which he did on the day of Pentecost. We see it from Acts that he's adding disciples to the church. So he was active because it says, and the Lord added daily. 
And he worked with the disciples, where he said, and the Lord worked with the disciples. And, you know, confirming his word with signs and wonders following. Peter and John said, he healed the lame man. So he's involved in healing. He's, he was standing when Stephen was stoned. He said, I see him standing at the right hand of the majesty. Paul says in Hebrews, he's able to succor, to help, to sympathize, uh, to save to the uttermost. Uh, he lives forever. He's a great high priest. He has that priesthood that's permanent unchanging uh, forever. He appears in the presence of God for us. He's our advocate with the Father. He's the living head. And of course, you know, he's ruling and reigning from heaven, awaiting all enemies. And the last enemy is death to be brought under his feet. In the meantime, what do we do? Last point, very quickly before Johan comes back. What do we do now? He's in heaven, but it's a session. That's why the theologians talk about the session in heaven, because the Bible tells us, um, Acts chapter 3, I think it's verse 20, 21, the heavens must retain him until the restitution of all things. Um, the Bible shows us, and when the last enemy, death, is defeated, um, he will return. He will appear again um, to a glorified, victorious church, and he will presence himself with us here on earth. So there will be an, an appearance. So there will be a conclusion to this heavenly ministry, and it will be coming to be with us. Hebrews, I mean, sorry, Revelations 21. We're not going there. He's coming here. And the vision John saw is not that the New Jerusalem is a hereafter something pie in the sky. It will be him coming and dwelling with us on earth um, and his appearing. And in fact, that began on the day of Pentecost when we became the new Zion, when we became the hill, you know, um, the, the, that is higher than every when we became the city of God, because, you know, um, we are the city set on the hill. We are the light of the world. And so his ascension is associated with his appearing, his appearing um, with the resurrection of the saints, putting on corruption, putting on immortality. I mean, so in the meantime, um, the encouragement is to lift our hearts and our, to have our, our view heavenward in that sense. And so that's what Paul talks about in Hebrews chapter 2 when he says, you know, it's written somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of? At the moment, we don't see everything subject to Christ. But what do we do? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so Colossians 3, 1 to 3. So, and I know you've been doing this, and I commend you for, for doing this, especially during this really testing time of the pandemic. Um, Colossians 3, 1 to 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. We have. Set your hearts, your affections, your feelings on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And it's not just the meditation of, you know, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. It's that whole finished work. You know, he's provided for purification for sins. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Um, you know, flesh, humanity has access to God, not only to the presence of God, but to God himself. That's actually where I'm seated. I'm seated in the heavenly realms. So when you feel down, when you feel under, when you feel circumstances are upon you, lift up your head, look up, lift your affections and say, 
That is where I'm seated. I'm seated in the heavenly realms. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Get your feelings there. Get your heart there. You have an aerial perspective and an aerial position, which is far above all rule and authority. Man, it's powerful. It really is special. You see, set your heart on things and set your mind on things above. And that is not only your affections, but your thoughts. Fill your mind with the thoughts that you're more than a conqueror, that you're seated in the heavenly realm. Your sin has been paid for. There is therefore now no condemnation uh, for those in Christ Jesus. For you died, says Paul, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So come on, if your life is hidden with Christ in God, for the enemy to poke at you, to get at you, he's got to get through God first. When he touches you, he touches the rock of your salvation. Man, that's so awesome. And so... He says, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Wow. That's what we've got coming for us. That's what is waiting for us. And I love what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 8. The Amplified Translation says it longer and louder and clearer. In the future, there's reserved for me the victor's crown of righteousness. In other words, completed salvation and access to God for being right with God and doing right which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that great day. And not to me only, but also to all those who have loved and longed for and welcomed his appearing. I've got to read this from the message translation as we close. Psalm 139 verse 16. Like an open book, you have watched me grow from conception uh, to birth. And then every stage of my life was spread out before you the days of my life, all prepared before I'd even lived one of them. He, lo he knows you intimately. He loves you eternally and totally. And there's nothing that escapes his attention. And just to mention that the position where he is now, heaven is a higher place, higher dimension, a life of higher quality. That's our future. His body is what our bodies will be, glorified, ascended, fit for living in that kind of presence and atmosphere and glory. So when he appears, we'll appear with him in glory. And so um, to close, before Johann comes back, his ascension is not his remoteness. It's not his you know, out of sight, out of mindedness. It's not his absence, it's his presence. He left so that he could be present with us all, everywhere, all over the world, equally. Someone was watching from the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, the other, I think it was it last week, Sunday, and I hope you're watching again. But he's with you there. He's with those in Nigeria. He's with those watching us in India. He's with, with those watching in Australia and United Kingdom. He's equally with you, just as he is with us here in South Africa. It was for our good that he ascended. And of course, he sent the precious Holy Spirit. And he's our high priest. He's interceding for us. Know this. When you're going through difficult times and you don't know how to pray, sometimes you open your mouth and it's unutterable groans because of the depth and the extent of what you're going through, the depth of that intercession, either petition for yourself or intercession for someone else. I want you to know you're reflecting the prayers of Jesus, your high priest, whoever lives to intercede for you. His life as he is now, speaks for you. And the accuser of the brethren is silenced by his proximity to the Father, by the finished work 
of Jesus on the cross. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he's continually ministering as both Lord and Christ, the Lord in the life of the church, as head, he's continuously supplying the unlimited, um, unrestricted, you know, immeasurable person of the Holy Spirit so that we can live this life. Glory be to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That is so awesome. So bless you, saints. Peace to you all. Blessing to you all. Um, I like what Astrid reminded me of Zephaniah. Um, that um, I was quieted or I'm quietened or his, the love of God quietens me. So any turbulence, any storm, um, may the love of God quieten all of that. And may his peace just rule and reign in your, umpire, uh, in your, in your hearts. Let it be the umpire. Let him red card every anxiety. Let him get it off the field of play, play as the prince of peace in your heart. So grace, peace, and mercy to you for the rest of this week. And furthermore, in Jesus' name, bless you. Love you all. Thank you, Johan. See you Thursday. Love you, brother. Appreciate it. Bless you, ACF and everybody. Thank you for watching.